Support for Elwood City Limits is brought to you by Facebook. Facebook.com slash Elwood City Limits. Twitter. At ECL Podcast. Tumblr. ElwoodCityLimits.tumblr.com. And Gmail. ElwoodCityLimits at gmail.com. And from listeners like you. Thank you. And my free time. Got to get that in there. This is a little, uh, a little, di- a little different in, in, in a couple of ways. Now, uh, ladies and gentlemen, li- fair listeners of Elwood City Limits, you may not know this, but I'm actually recording this in the morning. It's so strange to be recording something uh, before six o'clock p.m. Uh, but yeah, the sun is out and the day is outstretched, so I thought, why not knock out this day bright and early with the latest episode of Elwood City Limits, where we talk about the greatest television show ever. That would be PBS Kids' Arthur. Uh, my name's Will Young, and uh, I have a special guest with me today. Unfortunately, uh, Lucas can't join us this week, so I decided to let our guest be our co-host as well. Uh, this person, now, uh, he's been around since the very beginning, in a sense. So it's always been me and Lucas here on the podcast, but right when we were starting out just over a year ago, uh, man, I didn't think anybody would want to listen to this podcast, and thankfully, a lot of people have. And one of the people who I believe was there very, uh, very early, an early adopter of Elwood City Limits, is also someone who's come through with uh, handy technical advice in the uh, year or so that we've been on the air, uh, has come through with his, with his own Arthur screen caps, and uh, has just been a great uh, support kind of behind the scenes, so I wanted to give him an opportunity opportunity to come on here to talk with us about Arthur. So please welcome my guest co-host for today. That would be Corban Garcia. Hello, everyone. It's good to hear from you, Corban. And uh, of course, you are no stranger to audio. Uh, You have your own podcast. Yes, yes, I do. It's uh, called Rocket to Anywhere. I post it every other Saturday, and it's a podcast I host with my sister where we basically go anywhere but try to learn a few things each week. Awesome. So I'm glad to have somebody somebody else here who has uh, uh, been through the ins and outs of podcastery as I have. But you are also a genuine Arthur fan. What is your uh, what's your experience uh, with Arthur throughout the years? Well, I uh, grew up just watching PBS because, I mean, we didn't do cable or anything. So really only kids channel we had here in the U.S. was PBS. So that's what we would watch. And I started watching Arthur every day before school. And that's really where I fell in love with it. And from there, I started watching it. After that, you know, came up here. Now I'm older. I started watching it on YouTube and here and there. And then I found your podcast uh, through Reddit, the uh, Reddit subreddit for Arthur. And thanks to that, I've been listening to your podcast for a couple of months. Yes, thank you to uh, all of the Redditors who have uh, spread the good word about Elwood City Limits. If you're on the, I don't know if the, I haven't been on Reddit in a long time, so <laughs> I don't know if there's like an R podcast. I know there's an R Arthur, 
uh, yeah. in kind of my my search for things. But I, of course, didn't want to just go on there to promote to promote the show. Uh, so if anybody else, a regular redditor, wants to spread the good word of Elwood City Limits, would very much appreciate it. Uh, so Corban, we, you and me are going to get into this episode today. But before we do, this is actually something you're going to be the first uh, guest to help me answer a couple of emails. All right. Uh, so th- these uh, emails are connected. We have two of them. They're pretty short, and they're kind of connected to one another. This first one is from Joshua. He says, hi, guys. I enjoy your Arthur podcast. He listens to it with his brother. Anyway, he has a couple of questions. Uh, how would it change the Arthur universe if DW liked and owned Pal and Arthur did not? So a little a- bit of uh, uh, alternate realities here, Corbin. Yeah. That's an interesting question. I guess Arthur would kind of take the same mentality DW has towards Pal now and kind of like, oh, DW, get your dog out of here or something like that. Mm-hmm. I think, uh, yeah, yeah, I, I think you're on the right track. Uh, I mean, it, it's all alternate realities, so for all I know, you could be right. But uh, D, uh, D, I think Pal would definitely take a lot after DW, and it would be kind of Arthur would have two foils uh, in his home life rather than just yeah, one. Yeah. So, I, you know, it's funny. Uh, that doesn't that doesn't seem all that um, uh, unusual, I guess. Like I could totally mm-hmm. see that happening, and they just kind of maybe decided not to do it. So, an interesting question there, Joshua. Uh, and I he think also, later on yeah. in Arthur episodes, uh, DW gets a frog or something as a pet, uh, but like <laughs> secretly has it. But then the, her parents are like, "No, you you can't have that as a pet." Yeah, there was an early episode with a uh, toady, which uh, Lucas yeah. and I were were not so much a fan of. And I don't know if he shows up again. I mean, there, goodness, there are eighteen other seasons apart mm-hmm. from this one, so maybe he, maybe toady makes a comeback. We'll have to see. But he's not exactly the factor that uh, that pal is. Uh, also, he asked uh, to give us for us to give a shout out to his brother Isaac uh, and a happy birthday, Isaac. Thanks a lot for getting in touch with us. Yeah, shout out to Isaac. Happy birthday. And uh, we also actually got an email from the very same email from uh, Isaac himself. Uh, <laughs> this one, this one. Th- so he's got a couple questions. They go a little bit out there. So get ready for this. If Arthur punched DW again, would she die? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't think so. I don't. Yeah, I feel like DW probably uh, built up a bit of a resistance. She's a growing yeah. kid, and I think that you know what? Probably the next time Arthur tries to punch her, she'd probably do some of that, like Bruce Lee, or like uh, uh, if you ever played the video game God Hand, just like tilting the joystick around, and she's just <laughs> like, it, it, it'd be like a Dragon Ball Z fight where they're yeah. just kind of hitting each other's after image. That would actually be pretty cool. Uh, who would Mister Haney punch if he got provoked? Probably the secretary, because yeah. I've seen in some later episodes um, that that she messes up a couple things here and there throughout the school, and I'm okay. guessing that's probably what would happen. All right, so Miss Tingley, I think it's more of a situation where if Mister Haney were to go to punch somebody, like they he would swing like five feet to their left and then like trip over something and fall into a broom closet. <laughs> And finally, uh, 
could Binky beat Superman if he was as strong as Buster thought he was? So there's been a couple of instances where, like, uh, Buster and Arthur have imagined Binky being so strong that he, like, kicks them into the stratosphere yeah. or, like, where he collapses the school as soon as he shuts the door. Do you mm-hmm. think that is Superman levels? Would we see, like, a, a dark side Superman-style throwdown if Binky were that strong? I think Superman has the advantage of flight, though. Yeah, that's the thing is that he's got this whole like cadre of other powers, like yeah. like you said, flight, X-ray vision. He's got like cold breath and all that kind of stuff. So it it would just purely have to be strength for strength. So Binky may be at a mm-hmm. uh, disadvantage no matter what. Yeah, yeah, that's what I think. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, uh, Joshua and Isaac, thank you very much both for the emails. If you'd like to send yours in, ElwoodCityLimits at gmail.com. Okay. After much deliberation on our parts, let's get to uh, today's episode. We're starting off with one that I was very interested to uh, to go back and revisit. It's Arthur versus the Very Mean Crossing Guard. Yeah, yeah. This is an episode I remember, well, like one of the first I remember seeing on TV. So this is uh, from a while back. Yeah, it is uh, from about, I think we're into like 1998 as far as the production schedule mm-hmm. goes. Okay, uh, so it starts off with the cold open. Arthur's looking for uh, monsters under DW's bed and talking about how gullible she is, which of course is uh, something that a lot of four-year-olds can definitely be. And he talks mm-hmm. about all the ways that he's um, that he's fooled her. Uh, there's a couple ones like... Uh, uh, he convinces that sw- convinces her that like sweaters are animals. So she's yeah. like going into the closet with one of those grabo extendo arm toys mm-hmm. that uh, a couple of my friends had as a kid. Or that you, uh, uh, if you pull the plug in the bathtub, then you will sink down uh, with it. Uh, Corbana, is your is your sister who you co-host the podcast with? Is she uh, older or younger? She's about two years younger than me. Did you or- ever did you ever fool her in the way that Arthur has fooled DW? I've tried, but she's much too smart for that. <laughs> oh, she, oh, she's really smart, eh? Yeah, she's she she'd figure it out. I mean, she'd believe it for like two minutes or so, and then she'd like come with the fact, like, no, that that can't be true. Okay, so you couldn't you couldn't really ever ever try and fool her. Like, what was what was what was uh, something that you tried to get her to uh, to believe? Well, this is more of not like a, a fact to believe, but something like a prank I tried to pull on her. I talked about this on our podcast last week's episode, mm-hmm. but uh, I tried to make her believe outside. I know this is like super, super weird, but this is just what super young me thought was funny to uh, believe that it was actually a sunrise instead of a sunset outside because she had napped through the day. <laughs> I know this is pretty terrible, but I went outside. <laughs> I started playing like bird noises on a tiny iPod. It didn't fool her. Well, that well, not for lack of trying. That's actually a, yeah. a pretty good commitment to the bit. So I have to, I have to commend you for that. But I, I understand. My 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 sister is older than me, so uh, I'm I, uh, I don't remember if she ever tried to uh, to take to to fool me on anything. Although she did always like to uh, lord over the fact that she was smarter than me, at least when I was a kid. Yeah. Uh, so I, I understand that. Uh, Arthur also mentions past the cold open to uh, the brain. Arthur and the brain are kind of the main two of this episode Mm -hmm. that uh, he fooled her into thinking that his bionic bunny poster could talk and uh, could tell him uh, when she's been in his room. So Arthur and the brain are the uh, are kind of the duo here and they're kind of uh, celebrating the fact that DW is very gullible. But then we get the uh, the inciting incident of this whole thing. There's a new crossing guard. Uh, cross it's kind of like a um 
it's it's funny. I I I never had these types of uh, crosswalks when I was a kid, where it, there's like a partition in the middle. It was always kind of like a straight shot through. So in the middle, that's where the crossing guard is, and he has to take him through two lanes of traffic. And uh, the old crossing guard, or rather the regular one, is on vacation. So he's kind of. Uh, He's kind of chilling in the partition here. I've never seen this before where a crossing guard gets to like chill out in a lawn chair until he has to like do his job. I thought that was that makes it seem a little bit like the life. Yeah, that's that's a little weird because down the street from my house, they have um, a crossing guard because there's a school pretty close and they have two crossing guards because there is a partition in the middle of the street. Uh, Granted, it is a pretty big street because a lot of traffic goes through there, but they usually have one traffic guard on one side and one on the other side. And then they crisscross back and forth helping kids. But I, I've never seen anything like that before. Hmm. I will mention here as well that uh, Arthur and Brain use the word gullible. Like Arthur ha- has to ask him what it means. This yeah. is the like, uh, once again, like I feel like this should be like a regular segment maybe of like words I learned from Arthur. Uh, mm-hmm. Gullible is definitely one of them. I didn't yeah. hear it until I heard it on this episode. Yeah. When I was too. when I was a kid, I'm you know, I've definitely heard it many times by now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so the crossing guard like, kind of takes him across the street. Like they don't think anything too much of it yet. But then at the, when they get to the end, he asks them for ten dollars, and there's a great like mm-hmm. double take, and they're just like ten dollars. They kind of yeah. say in sequence. I thought that was funny. Um, and so he gets into this whole kind of thing where it's like you can tell, you know, the both of us are adults, and we can kind of tell. Okay, he's just kind of ribbing these kids, mm-hmm. and just like, but at that age, you got to be real clear when you're joking with them because uh-huh. what he does, what he does is like, um, you know, he's just like, didn't they tell you ten dollars to cross the street? And they're like. Uh, you know, we don't have $10. And he's kind of letting it go a little bit of like, you expected to cross the street for free? Yeah. And then he kind of, he doesn't, you know, at this point it would be like, ah, I got you kids, don't worry about it. But but like he leaves them with like, with like, okay, give me my $10 or I'll send my goons after you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I he feel can't... like he should have like stopped as he realized their facial expressions like they're believing this. But then I could also see his, his mindset for, well, let me just keep, taken this farther yeah i just think it's i I just think it's a sort of thing where like you have you have or at least my my feeling on it would be like all right i can i can only rib the rib them so much i gotta just be like okay kids don't worry about it i'm just Mm -hmm. and this you know stresses them both out which is funny i have mentioned time and time again how arthur is the anxious sword and he kind of reads a lot into everything but brain is kind of right there with him brain's usually the voice of reason but, yeah uh, him and arthur both fall hook line sinker uh they both go to brain's house and brain one of his many inventions he's so smart yeah a smart is, little piggy bank that when he pulls the tail it reads how much money is inside of it i contain five dollars and 37 cents mm-hmm. oink and even even does the oink and so brain's like arthur i don't have enough money to cross the street yeah and we get one of the uh, the ones kind of these semi regular imaginations of like s- very specific of like a character who is destitute into their like adulthood. We saw we saw this in the episode where Arthur couldn't get off the bus because the bus driver wouldn't let him off. And this yeah. is actually exactly the same thing with Brain, where it's like an imagination where he's stuck on the partition. Um, and Muffy comes up in like a crosswire limo and says, "Nobody's seen you since third grade." And Brain is <laughs> clearly like outstretched his normal clothes. Like he, I, I would guess he's probably at least a teenager, if not an adult. Yeah, yeah. And uh, he's just like, I can't, 
I can't get across. I I can only pay like five dollars and thirty seven cents worth, so <laughs> I can't <laughs> I can't get across. I need the other four dollars yeah. and whatever. And uh, Muffy just kind of leaves them high and dry. So I thought that it was funny that they kind of did it again. Uh, I also have the episode kind of open here right now, and uh, I'm at I'm actually it's about four minutes in. And I noticed something in the background I didn't notice before. So there's a shot of Brain on the partition as he's talking to Muffy. And in the background, uh-huh. there's something that kind of looks like, to me, uh, you know, as a Canadian, it kind of looks like the CN Tower. Or it could be like... Um, yeah, yeah, I the, noticed that. I, I spa- thought it was like some futuristic... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or, oh, maybe... Okay, you know what? Maybe that's what it is. It's probably just like, it's the future. Yeah, but what everyone thought future towers would look like and stuff. Yeah, and I, I was and I was just thinking that well, this uh, we've kind of established that this is like somewhere in the Boston area, and I don't know if mm-hmm. there's any like big skyscraping towers like the Space Needle or what have you in the Boston area. Not that I know of. I almost went on a trip to Boston, but some plans changed before. But from what I've seen in pictures and stuff, I've I've never seen anything like that. I mean, you have your your typical skyscrapers, but nothing like that. Yeah, you have a bit of a leg up on me in this. You're all, you are also uh, uh, an American, but uh, mm-hmm. not not from the Boston area. No, I'm uh, here down here in Texas. Ooh, how uh, what's what's the temperature over there? Surprisingly, this time of year, it's supposed to be like a hundred degrees, and it's mm. actually starting to get cooler. If I can pull up my weather right now, um, yeah, it's it's getting pretty cool. Okay, I mean it's uh, same same over here. I just I guess uh, ignorantly perhaps I always think of like oh Texas it's always it's always hot down there, but I guess it's got to cool down sometime. Yeah, it usually is. I have a friend who always jokes that uh, fall or autumn weather only lasts for two days and then it's back to summer. <laughs> Lucky you. Uh, so that's Brain's kind of uh, anxiety about the whole thing. But Arthur's hung up on the goons, like the throwaway mm-hmm. line that that he had about like sending his goons and neither of them know what that means. And this leads to a, a dream, a, like an imagination sequence that I thought was kind of funny. Like when you think about it afterwards, so it's Arthur imagining that he's in bed and he gets woken up uh, by these baboons in uh-huh. like street clothing. They look like, um, like I could almost imagine them being like a, uh, an earlier type of Disney villain. Like I was watching. Yeah. 100- yeah. That's what I was thinking. Yeah, when, they I, were... when I saw the way they dressed, I was thinking they. I feel like I've seen them in a Disney movie before. Yeah, and and like an older one, so they're like I imagine them as kind of. I was watching 101 Dalmatians recently, and the mm-hmm. the villains of their horse and Jasper, like they both have like the type of like sweaters and like hats and stuff like that, just real, yeah. uh, real blue collar type of guys. Anyway, uh, <laughs> there's a great line here of Arthur rightfully being scared and asking, "Are you the goons?" And one of them just says. <laughs> Of course not. We're baboons. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, okay, that, that makes sense. So they're, yeah. they're 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 like the harbinger for the goons who will be along later, and they're really scary. Yeah, we're coming along to check out what's here. Yeah, ca- to case the joint and to like smash up Arthur's things. Mm-hmm. So brain. Uh, so they both realize that they need another plan to get across the street uh, because they don't have the ten dollars to pay. Uh, the next day, Brain uh, uses, again, some of the stick figure drawings that we saw yeah. in, an er- in an earlier episode. In fact, like, just a couple of episodes ago, we get back to Brain with the stick figure drawings. So he's a couple plans here. And I was uh, noticing in his drawing style here, back from Love Notes for Muffy, that it's sort of the same style. If you've seen the original Magic School Bus uh, that DA uses when she has little ideas, and it's okay. sort of the same drawing style. style. Okay. All right. Um, yeah. So brains ideas again. Uh, he really 
oh, kind of overestimates what he can do. You mm-hmm. know, like I guess overestimates his maybe not his own intelligence, but his own like you know actual success in this sort of ability. Thank you. Uh, so his first one is that he he could uh, build a bridge to go over the cross rock, which is like this giant suspension bridge that he's able yeah. to just lift on his own. But his only drawback is storing it. I would think, you know, building it, conceptualizing it, getting the permits for it, that mm-hmm. would be the drawback. Yeah. Uh, his next one is to build a tunnel or like to just pickaxe his way through a tunnel. But uh, his drawback is directions. And he just kind of ends up where he started, essentially. And then the third one is uh, getting a hot air balloon, which actually, when you think about it, is kind of the uh, the most plausible of the three. Yeah, baffling, bafflingly. Uh, and uh, but his drawback is rather involved. It's being blown off course, ending up in a strange land, and having to declare himself wizard, which of course is a reference to the Wizard of Oz. But like, hmm. I, yeah, again, we saw I would... the uh, one of the um, you know the classic house on top of the person thing. I, I can't place my. The name on it. What's what's it called? Uh, the wicked, the wicked witch of the east. Yes, the witch. That's right. Right. You would uh, think I would remember that because it's Halloween season, but yeah, the Wizard of Oz isn't. Uh, I mean, it's it's got a witch in it, but it, it's not really a Halloween movie. So if you haven't seen it in a while, it's uh, totally understandable. Yeah. Uh, so uh, that those are his drawbacks, and Arthur's like, "Wow, you really thought this through." Uh, so. It doesn't really apply to Arthur so much because he doesn't have to use the crosswalk unless he goes to Brain's house, mm-hmm. and Bra- Brain's the one who is uh, has to face down the, the crossing guard once again. And he asks Arthur if he wants to come over, and Arthur's like, "I better save my money for when I really need to see you." Yeah, I just this is really messing with their heads. And again, uh, like Brain kind of talks with the the crossing guard of just like. He's like, well there, well, there goes one half of the gruesome twosome. Where's your partner in crime? And, like, ain't I seen your face on a wanted poster somewhere? It's like, when I was a kid, this crossing guard, like, he really was mean and scary. Uh-huh. But as as an adult, it's just like, oh, he's so clearly messing with them and is just, like, not very good at determining, like, if he's really scaring them. Mm-hmm. And he said, didn't I see your uh, mug on a poster down at the post office? And I'm not sure if they do this in Canada, but I know here in the U.S. for a while, we used to post uh, like top five or top ten most wanted posters in the post office. So I always thought that was a little weird. Oh, I, I, no, I don't think that, I mean, given that I work for a postal service, I don't think so. But uh, then again, I don't spend much time in post office and mm-hmm. post offices anymore. That's interesting. Uh, I figured that was more of an American thing, or it could be mm-hmm. uh, other parts of Canada as well. Uh, yeah, so uh, he, he kind of intimidates Brain of just like, I've got eyes and ears everywhere. I'm on to you. Mm-hmm. And this gives Brain like an actual bad dream, a nightmare, where he, uh, his, he uses the crosswalk so much that he essentially goes into banker's debt and his uh parents have to sell the house and they like take it away on wheels kind of like in the simpsons (laughs) when they move springfield down like a mile and they Uh just kind of take it away on wheels and they have to live in the same like area like the same plot of land as the house but just in a tent and it just ends with uh the crossing guard putting up a a framed picture of his cat and he is the one who (laughs) sees the house and taking it to where i couldn't tell you Brain's determined to figure out if uh, if he's really installed like cameras into uh, where they are. They go to Arthur's place and start thinking that uh, he maybe installed cameras, which I think, um, you know, kind of talking about how the the crossing guard. I might have said security guard earlier. Excuse me. Uh, the crossing guard. He has. He says stuff like, "I've got cameras everywhere." 
that's not the kind of thing you can say to a kid and it yeah. being okay. I think that's that's where it kind of goes a little too far for like a casual jokey joke. Mm-hmm. Especially nowadays, like if someone said that, oh, there's... forget a, forget mm-hmm. about it. That is yeah. like that is way over the line. But I mean, it, it not to say that it isn't here too, but it's just like all right. Well, I think this is a little bit too far. Uh, <laughs> Brain and Arthur uh, think that you know Arthur's room has been bugged. And they think even it, there could be a, something in Stanley, Arthur's bear. And there's a mm-hmm. moment here where they kind of talk in code, which kind of sounds like uh, their approximation of like, uh, I, it, it's supposed to be spy code, but it also kind of reminded me of like the type of jargon that a 1920s detective would have. Uh-huh. It's like, the, the penny jar sure is mean. That's right. It's almost as bad as the rug. <laughs> I could figure uh, out the first part, like the penny jar sure is mean, but almost as bad as the as as bad as the rug. I couldn't really figure what out, so, figure out what he was saying. So is the, is, I'm guessing the penny jar is the crossing guard. Yeah. Oh, you know what? That actually kind of works because he's like squeezing pennies out of them. Okay, I I, I kind of get that. I have no idea what the rug could be. Yeah, me neither. Uh, uh, so brain is over at Arthur's place for a sleepover because this is their uh, their way of kind of beating the system for. Uh, for at least a night, and then they get an idea of what they can do the next day. Uh, Grandma Thora is looking after them, and they just ask Grandma for a ride to school, which is which is really funny because so I grew up in a neighborhood where uh, I could walk to school, and I was expected to walk to school every day, mm-hmm. and it just reminded me that, man, when I was a kid, getting a ride to school was such a luxury. Like It was just like, oh, I'll give you a ride to school today. I'm like, this is the best day ever. Yeah, I never had to walk to school because I went to school pretty far away, and it, my mom was a teacher there, so I got to ride with her to school. Oh, that's awesome! And I, I, I was, I wasn't. We weren't on a bus route either, so it was either walk or some days get a ride. And I just remember how how great that felt because I hated mm-hmm. walking to school at the time, especially during winter times. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so Grandma Thora is going to pick them up f- from school, and that's their way to circumvent it. Uh, as they're kind of pulling up to the crosswalk where the where the crossing guard is, they kind of duck in the back seat, and mm-hmm. uh, you know they're just like, you know, watch out, Grandma, for that secure for the security guard. I, don't, I keep saying that because I don't say crossing guard regularly. <laughs> watch out for him; he's really mean. And then Grandma Thora says, "Ted, oh, he's a pussy cat." And I was like, "Uh, no, lady, he's a rat." <laughs> Arthur says he wants money from us and Grandma Thora pulls over to kind of talk to him and like because she takes that at face value and then uh, DW's in the car with them and Arthur's just like he um like he's like he said that he's got cameras on us and he's gonna send his goons after us and they're both really scared and yeah. DW just laughs at them and is just like I can't believe that you guys actually bought that yeah she and says th- you guys will believe anything yeah and that kind of didn't make sense to me like the in the cold open and even here coming up to the end of the episode, like DW, I mean, I, I guess there's a thing. So I will just say quickly at the end of the episode, like Arthur is going to intimidate her about the monsters under her bed, but then admits there aren't any. And DW says, I know that I've always known that, but mm-hmm. there are like, we've clearly seen other instances where DW believes some outlandish things. Yeah. And, and I don't understand like why she wouldn't at least be like, whoa really like but she immediately knows it's bs and i'm like i don't understand why that's different from the stuff in like the cold open yeah i i'm not sure because 
if they were going to talk about DW being the one who's always gullible and stuff, I was wondering, like, well, then why would they stick her as the cold open? Maybe to set, like, an example, but I found that a little confusing. Yeah, it was a little bit of it was a little bit of a leap, and I mean it's it, it it's just kind of to show how ridiculous it all is when you lay it out in black and white. But yeah. just like I don't know, it just didn't make sense for DW to do that. Anyway, uh, Grandma Thora brings uh, Ted, the crossing guard, to the car, and he kind of apologizes to them uh, that he was just kind of joking around with them, and they and Arthur and Brain just kind of laugh it off. Uh, as I as I said, there's a part near the end here where. Uh, Arthur admits to DW there aren't monsters under the bed, but he still checks anyway at her behest. And the episode ends with them at the crosswalk. And now it's, I thought this was a little fun. Arthur and Brain are in on the joke now. So it's like kind of a uh-huh. bit of a secret language the three of them have of just like, you know, you know like I heard, I heard it's dangerous across the street. And Brain's like, could be inhabited by goons. So mm-hmm. at least they ended in a kind of a f- fun, more fun place than where it started, perhaps. Yeah. And now a word from us kids. And now a word from us kids. Uh, did you uh, did you see this one? Yes, I did. So this one is all about. Uh, well, I thought it was a little funny because it's like myths we all believed when we were little, and mm-hmm. well, they they are still little. I mean, it's. I'm sure that yeah. there's some stuff they'll believe that in 10 years will probably seem just as ridiculous. But it's stuff they believe when they were very, very small, these real-life kids. And they're, I'll just go through a couple of the um, the hits here. Uh, th- a lot of a lot of kind of di- um, similar themes. Like, one, one big one was, like, things being other things. So it's like, I thought spaghetti was worms. I thought tomatoes were apples. I thought a fridge was a restaurant. I thought a basketball was an orange. So kind yeah. of stuff stuff like that. And a lot of other ones, like, uh, uh, I guess the other theme would be, like, entertainment being real. So, like, the TV can turn on by itself. Books can talk. And, like, the TV could come out of the TV, which I'm sure mm-hmm. I believed at some point. Uh, was there anything you could think of, like, a myth that you believed when you were, when you were little that kind of uh, you realize now is ridiculous? When I was working on my notes, I was trying to come up with something, but I really just couldn't guess anything. And I, I tried asking my siblings, and they're like, well, I, I don't know. I guess I've been a pretty grounded person uh, from what they've <laughs> told me. I'm pretty sure there's something out there. But uh, as for this word from his kids, the last kid who says, oh, buses, they had, I used to think city buses were just buses. But now I believe that they're buses with lasers that are trying to shoot everyone. <laughs> and I thought, well, he's the only one who didn't have an improvement. <laughs> yeah oh man i must have missed that one and uh i'm i'm afraid i can't think of any anything either i must have blocked it out but i i'm sure at some point i thought like oh this tv show it's it's real and like i like mm-hmm. i like i think i've seen I, I i you know what i remember one time uh a friend of mine came to school and was like you know he's like so my friend was going by this house and he totally heard like a Cubone, like a po- like a Pokemon. He totally heard Pikachu mm-hmm. and Cubone in this house. And I'm like, oh no way, Pokemon's real. But that <laughs> that kind of stuff. And uh, it does it does end on a note that really made me laugh. It's like a lot of these times these segments will end with the kids like saying something to the camera all together. And this one was, "What do you believe?" <laughs> Which I thought was funny. It's like a bunch of kids yelling at you, asking yeah. you what your beliefs are. I'm like, oh, I don't. I wasn't ready for this, but when mm-hmm. I started watching this, mm-hmm. and now, back to 
All right, let's move on to the second half. It is DW's Very Bad Mood, which is another one I was wondering. I thought this was going to be a little bit later and like maybe into the next season or something but uh mm-hmm. but yeah this is we're getting we're talking about it right now and this is uh this is one of the more notable openings i think we often talk about like all oh, this opening was awesome and all like even in the in the very last episode we did the the basketball opening that's one of my favorites this isn't i don't know if it's a favorite but it's definitely one that you don't forget yeah uh, i sort of from watching arthur a lot <clears throat> I started to just remember, like, a lot of the openings. I don't remember the actual episode, but, like, the the openings are always, like, stuck in my head. Yeah, like, it's, it's. I mean, when, once you see it, it's it's very striking in many ways. It's, it's, I mean, it starts off on a really creepy note because it's obviously meant to be emulating, like, uh, uh, Leave it to Beaver. It's a very perfect, yeah. idyllic family. So immediately you know that something's wrong, even mm-hmm. as a kid. And, like, they do, they do everything they can to sell it. Like, uh, Arthur's voice actor, uh, Michael Yarmush, he kind of adopts a very squeaky clean, overly perfect tone, and it's, like, very... Yeah very strange like he's just like it's really nice when you have a perfect family like he goes up a whole register and again mm-hmm. he's a he's a very talented voice actor even as a even as a kid uh and it's, it's funny like arthur still in school but he looks like he's going to the construction site he's got his red flannels <laughs> on he's got his he's got his uh his worker hat it's just like it looks like he's doing a full shift at the plant or something he, his mother is like you know in dress stereotypically feminine of just like you know long hair very motherly and like a skirt and whatnot his dad is dressed up in a suit and he's got like the homer simpson comb over it's like the three hair the three (laughs) squiggly hairs to make it look like he means business because of course normally he doesn't have much hair to speak of uh francine and brain show up at the door to walk with arthur to school although his dad offers him a ride if if my friends came up and be like you want to walk to school be like hell no uh (laughs) Uh, Francine has pigtails, like, again, very stereotypically girly, and Brain's just kind of norm- normal-ish. Uh, and, you know, Arthur's just like, you see, my life is practically perfect, except for one thing. And then we get, like, the Jurassic Park, like, vibration in the wa- in the water sort of thing, and, like, mm-hmm. the house starts to quake. And then all of a sudden, like, the front door busts open, and giant hands reach inside, and all of a sudden, this cold opening is directed by Gareth Edwards because we've got <laughs> D.W. Zilla over here. Yeah, it, it's a giant D.W. and like her voice has uh, been pitched like to kind of, uh, I guess like um, I don't I, I don't know the word, but it's just like you know the thing that they do to make someone sound like a monster. They have their normal voice channel and then like the pitched down version. So there's mm-hmm, kind of like mm-hmm. two at the same time. It's just like where's my breakfast and, and if you noticed in the in the background the music playing sort of sounds like the imperial march from star wars did you notice that no i didn't actually it was like boom 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 yeah that cl- that classic too no i i really didn't because i was I, I i gotta be honest i was a little distracted by attack on dw over here <laughs> she just uh it's like she starts wrecking the house and then she just starts like she goes downtown and is like stomping on buildings and people uh-huh. are running for their lives and that's just kind of how the cold opening ends it's like yeah how do you forget about this mm-hmm it's it's definitely one of the more memorable ones. And the funny thing here is that when we start the actual episode, uh, we're used to Arthur talking to the camera, addressing the camera in the cold open, and I don't think he's ever really done it in the actual episode. But this, but he breaks with tradition here. Like, Arthur is at the breakfast table, and he goes, okay, maybe that's an exaggeration. Yeah. 
but DW has yeah. been really bad lately. And it actually took me by surprise of like, Oh, this is weird to have Arthur yeah. address the camera. Uh, the only to- time I can actually remember Arthur talking directly to the camera during an episode is um, I think back in season one where Buster was hanging out with the cool kids or something mm. and he was going to eat something. I don't quite remember that. Yeah. Yeah. And that, I think even that one was like Arthur did a whole like freeze, like um, what do you call 90210 freeze frame in, mm-hmm. in that cold opening. I don't even think he addressed the camera after that. So uh, if I'm wrong about that, hey, people, let me know. But uh, first time for everything. Uh, and DW, as the episode title itself says, is in a really bad mood. And it's been going on for a while. And it's been driving Arthur nuts. Uh, she's got, like, she even at the breakfast table, like, she, I must say, again, uh, with the voice acting, I'm sure DW's voice actor really had to uh, uh, use the, the hot tea and honey for this one because she's yelling a lot of just like... Yeah. Like, I don't want to eat, my, like, this cereal's too soggy. I'm not going to eat it. You can't make me eat it. Do you hear me? Do you? Mm-hmm. She's like, this whole episode, she's, like, cutting promos on people. It's really, uh, uh, it, it must have been a big wear on the vocal muscle. Uh, so the episode really starts at the Sugar Bowl uh, where Francine is uh, handing out invitations to her birthday party. And, like, she hands one to Arthur, and, like, he is fried he it's mm-hmm. you know the kind of thing of just like he has been up for se- uh, he looks like he's been up for several days i just probably just got barely any sleep because one of the things that dw is really into right now is complaining as she goes to bed as we see in like a cutaway and then like yeah. s- slamming the door all night long she's like like i won't feel better in the morning slam i won't yeah slam i won't slam and arthur even says she did that all night long. That, yeah, yeah, that's torturous, man. Mm-hmm. And it it did it did kind of give me like a little bit of pause of just like, oh great, this is what I have to look forward to when I start to be a dad. Great, can't wait for nights when my daughter keeps me up by slamming the door, and <laughs> I, I get to and I get to live Arthur's nightmare essentially, his waking nightmare. Speaking of that, uh, I was something I noticed, uh, but. You, there's no like reference to baby Kate there, and I would think, well, she would probably be crying, especially since she's in DW's room. That's a great point, and I didn't, I didn't think of that myself. Uh, you're right; they they both they both share a room, and I mean, I think I think I have this point later in the. Um, I think I have this point later in my notes of just like, okay, there's got to be a point where the parents are like, like knock that crap off. Like it's really got to stop. And I would feel yeah. like as soon as the baby is disturbed, which she absolutely would be, you're right in this scenario, then it would be like, okay, we're going to, we're going to fix this once and for all. So I'm um, you're right. Like baby Kate is an absolute non-factor in this story. Unless she's a really heavy sleeper. Yeah. I mean, or mm, I, I was, well, gonna, I, mean, I, I was going to say maybe this was before she was born, but I think Arthur would be like in a completely different grade from then, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Although I guess it could be. Oh, but no, but pal, pal has the red collar in this episode. Okay, so this just doesn't make sense. You, that's a that's a yeah. very that's a very good point. I'm glad that you brought it up. Uh, brain at the sugar bowl says that he's uh, he'd like to do an experiment on Arthur's fried brain at this point. <laughs> um. And and Arthur again, like he's very weary, he's very tired, and he's very short with people. Like uh, Fr- Francine says, uh, "Have you tried asking her what's wrong?" And then Arthur's just like, "Why don't you ask her?" 
And he's, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then Francie's like, all right, I will like give her an inch and she will take a mile. Oh, okay. Here's where I have the note of just like Francine was, um, uh, invited to dinner and yeah. DW starts acting up at the dinner table. Like she starts like taking handfuls of fries and shoving, shoving it into her mouth, which same, uh, but not, but not, not when company is there and DW is like, you're always picking on me. You never pick on anyone else. And then just like really starts cutting promos on like Arthur and stuff. And this, I, I think at this point I would be like, okay, uh, you know, you can yell your face off, but when company's here, you gotta be nice. Like I can, mm-hmm. I can just imagine the type of speech that my mother would give to me if I were doing this. First of all, it yeah. would, it would be. Uh, it would be bookended by a spanking either before or after. I will tell you that much. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I'm I'm surprised DW doesn't really see any consequences for this. Um, and then Francine straight up asks her while she's in the middle of this. She says, "What's the matter with you?" And DW runs off crying. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Francine goes to her room and does like really, to her credit, try and ask her what's wrong, which I can't believe nobody else has done yet. Uh, she, she, she did, you know, says, I'm sorry I hurt your feelings, but you were being a total doofus, which is, uh, certainly the Arthur way of saying something a little bit stronger. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and DW does have a couple of good lines in this episode, as she usually does when the episode's about her. She just, like, her face is buried in her pillow and she's just between sobs. She's just like, who asked you? You don't even live here. <laughs> uh, and, uh. The other the other funny thing that she does is that DW is able to like turn on a dime emotionally and I think it's just because of yeah. the fact that like she's really she's not really sad she's just more kind of self-pitying and mm-hmm. uh, so she's able to really uh so, so like in the middle of crying she's like you know she goes from that that thing of just like sorry she uh she goes from that that affectation that the voice actor does of like, eh, you don't really love me. And then she goes, right, Francine, can I ask you a question? And then that sort of thing. And she's going to say something mean to her. And she's like, I'm too tired to think of any more mean things to say. And then mm-hmm. just, <laughs> that's the end of that one. Yeah. Um, Francine asked the next day if it helped. And then Arthur says, no, she was even worse. I thought, I thought, I thought our neighbors were going to call the cops. And then we get, a. Uh, uh, a little bit of an imagination of a theoretical TV show, which actually I'd be kind of interested to see how they how they solve this one. It's called Tantrum Nine One One, but they also call it it, it the the card says Tantrum Nine One One, but the announcer says Temper Tantrum Patrol Squad, and yeah. it, it, and so it's like examples of them going around to like kids who are misbehaving, and essentially it's it, it's cops for kids, pretty much, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> and. It starts like it starts off at the Reed House where there's like a helicopter shining its light. There's like several squad cars, and it's like DW got five stars in GTA. I was just waiting. For, I was just waiting for like the Marines to come in with their tank or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> uh, so a couple of police make their way in like almost riot gear, not like helmets. There's like one kind of plain clothes cop, and then there's like two of them dressed in like bulletproof vests, and they go up to DW's <laughs> yeah. room, and. Uh, um, <laughs> DW has a great, again, really cutting a promo here on the police. They're like, you have the right to remain silent. She's like, I will not remain silent. I'll be as loud as I want. Like, you can't stop me. No one can stop me. Yeah. Who, who made you the boss of the world? So mm-hmm. I thought that was really funny. And then right after they're done, Biggie's like, wow, that show sounds great. When time is it on? 
Yeah. Uh, I want to see that. Yeah, really. Um, Binky and Brain are eating with uh, Arthur and Francine, and they say, like, they've they've got to find a way for uh, uh, to help DW, and they I think they decide to... Um, to kind of spy on her at this point to like stake stake her out and see what's going on. Brain and Binky are like any excuse to get out of there of just like Brain's like sorry, but I have to uh clean my garage and Binky's like and I have to clean my garage too. Huh, what a coincidence. Mhm. Uh so Arthur and Francine are staking out DW as she's eating a sandwich outside. And uh, this isn't the first time they've uh, staked out DW because they also had the previous time with uh, the safety whistle and that, they were trying to figure out something wrong she would do. Yeah, that's right. And uh, yeah, again, kind of recurring themes in this season. Uh, and sh- uh, so they see her like she's eating a bologna sandwich. She spits the bologna into her hand and throws it on the ground <laughs> and pal starts to eat it. And Arthur totally breaks their cover. Just like pal, put that down. And DW immediately sees them just like, <laughs> yeah, quiet spies don't yell. So I thought that was I thought that was kind of funny. Um, the the next part is something that I would think would get them in trouble with their parents. Uh, Arthur is staked out of her room while she's asleep on the phone with Francine, and I don't know how long he's been out there, but they have got to be racking up that phone bill. Yeah, that is gonna cost that is gonna cost them. Like their parents are gonna come to them of just like, why did you make a call to Francine for two and a half hours? Mm-hmm. At like you know, and at night, yeah, at, at like eleven o'clock at night when everybody's asleep, uh, and so DW is pretending to be asleep, and she's like talking in her sleep. She's just like, "Oh, it's all wrong. It's all wrong because Arthur is a dodo brain." And then Arthur yeah. repeats that to Francine. And their final thing is that they stake her out at her preschool, and they don't see Arthur doesn't seem to notice anything. But what Francine notices is that. There's a group of kids that kind of come into their way and start talking about a birthday party they're going to. Mm-hmm. And Arthur's like, she's looking right at us. But no, it's actually she is looking directly at the kids who are talking about the birthday party. So we get a little bit of a clue of what's to come. Uh, okay, so this is definitely an Arthur meme alert here. I've seen this in gift form many times. And in fact, I've used this very clip on the show. Uh, it's uh, Francine coming into the Reed house and DW goes, Francine, can I ask you a question? Why don't you go back to your own house and stop bothering us? <laughs> Which is ruthless. And that that's actually kind of where mom is uh start starts to take a little bit of action of just like this being mean to everyone has got to stop. And I'm like, this sounds like this has been going on for weeks. The time to stop yeah. it was well before this. Mm-hmm. Uh, so DW says she would feel better if she got to see Quazy Cool Kittens, The Journey Home, which I must say, like, as far as fake movie titles go, I totally believe that that could be a kid's movie. Yeah, yeah, I, I could totally see that from, like, a, a small production company somewhere. Uh, and, and, and you know what? It's The Journey Home that really sells it. It sounds like a Homeward Bound mm-hmm. movie. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so... To which mom says DW has already seen that twice, but Francine agrees to take her, and Arthur kind of has like a mild panic attack. It just cuts to his face. <laughs> He's like, <sighs> like <laughs> he really doesn't want to be yeah. be with DW in that theater, in that movie of all places. Um, so this whole scene of them at the movie is DW being crabby, and then all of a sudden the kids who were having the birthday party from a couple of scenes before. Uh, come into the theater and sit right ahead of them. And then DW 
immediately, again, turns on an emotional dime and pretends to have time for life. And Mm -hmm. uh, so that her friend, uh, I think her name is Lucy, I want to say. I think the the little. I should have written it down. Yeah, the little rabbit girl. Anyway, I'm going to say her name is Lucy. Uh, Excuse me if that's that's incorrect, everybody. Uh, She's laughing hard enough so that Lucy will notice her because it's her birthday that they're having. It's her and three of her other friends. And uh, DW is kind of doing the preschool version of posting pics of her new boyfriend on social. She's just like, <laughs> she's just like, I'm having fun, loads and loads of fun. And she's even like, it's like I'm here with my friends and we're having fun because I have lots and lots of friends. I'm really. And here Francine starts laughing too, which I notice is a little weird. Yeah, she, she kind of tries to to sell it a little bit, even though she doesn't really know what what's going on with DW. Mm-hmm. Uh, and just like, I have lots of friends. I'm really popular. And then it's, it's so, it's the most transparent thing in the world. And Lucy sees through it immediately. And DW is a little heartbroken. And this, this kind of made me wonder, I I think, let me just, uh, check here. Yeah. Her, so DW's friend, Emily is part of that birthday crew. I wonder yeah. if DW's unpopular at preschool. I wonder if like, if she has any friends, like, or maybe she has alienated them. I mean, the Tibbles are always going after her, and there's also Emily, which we know from earlier episodes, I believe, or maybe it's later on, but that they're pretty good friends. But other than that, oh, and there's James, too, but I think other than that, DW really doesn't have any friends there. Hmm. Yeah, and and she's kind of been frenemies at points with Emily, so like I don't mm-hmm. know how really close they are. Um but it's a, a she's a little bit of a preschool pariah, and I kind of I identify with this. I'll will tell you this: when I was DW's age, I was or I was about five when I was in um, grade primary, which would be kindergarten uh, mm-hmm. elsewhere. Uh, I in retrospect, I was I was not I was a little bit more DW than I should have been. I was a little bit more uh, mean because, of course, kids I, and I. You know, this is not that this is an excuse or anything, but like you know, kids don't really have a filter, and like I wasn't doing any bullying or anything but like pulling chairs out from under people just being kind of loud and obnoxious and I don't think I was very well liked and I remember uh at the end of the school year somebody was having a birthday party and the teacher asked who are you going to invite to your birthday and the and the guy who would go on to be my friend uh said everybody except for Will Hmm. so that kind of brought me back to like oh yes I remember being a preschool pariah as well so DW is immediately like uh angry frustrated and uh dw is like this is like i don't feel good i want to go home and arthur's like dw we just got here wait a minute what am i saying let's go so (laughs) that was a really that was really funny uh he even invokes he says she's driving me absolutely bus a louis which it must be a serious situation if arthur's using that Mm -hmm. uh francine decides to take control and she and dw go to get ice cream and kind of let arthur off the hook which is where francine finally gets an answer out of or rather, she doesn't get an answer, but she more kind of puts the pieces together. Like she says, I know that you are, uh, I know that you're upset because you weren't invited to the birthday party. And GW's like, what birthday party? Uh, but, you know, she eventually does suss that out of DW. Mm-hmm. And, uh, uh, DW asks for help from Francine like she starts crying again again more out of self pity and then we get into this um, what I call DW's power fantasy of what she would really <laughs> most like to do uh, and it's 
so she's imagining the four of these girls having this birthday party. And I will say on a background that is, uh, seems somewhat separated from uh, what's the action that's happening. And we'll see why in a second. And Mm -hmm. what she wants most in the world is to invade the party on like a blimp on like Mm -hmm. almost like a Zeppelin, but like on a real villain blimp. And she's, uh, and she she even has she's like cackling from her blimp and like time to <laughs> rain on their little parade. And, and that line right there was uh, I'm not sure if you've I have get to work with a lot of children's television. Okay, but um, the way she delivers that line there sounds a lot like the character Luna Girl from this um, show called PJ Masks, and like it was super similar to the way that that character delivers her lines. Okay, no, that's complete. That's completely new to me. So uh, you'd know better than I would. Apparently, this blimp, which you know, it's best not to think about how DW got it or how it works. It also has weather control? Question mark? Question mark? <laughs> question mark? And she just literally makes it rain, and and not in the good way with money. Like actually makes it rain on their birthday. To which the point. To which point, not only does it like melt this triple tiered cake. Lisa, Lisa is is the girl's name, not oh, Lucy. Yes, I, was, yes. I was very close. Uh, not it doesn't just melt Lisa's birthday cake, but it also goes even farther, and it it melts all of the color out of their world. Which well, I remember when I was a kid was a little upsetting. Yeah, it was, they're, it's just like washing everything out. And something I noticed here when they're dancing around the cake, they're singing the Ponyland theme song. Yes, I I thought of that too. In fact, I I I was gonna write it down. I'm like, I don't know if anybody will notice that. But to be fair, you did. So maybe I better keep that <laughs> stuff in mind. You're right, and it's like the exact same uh, audio clip and everything. Uh, but yeah, the, like they get their color washed out, and they're just like crying and like stomping around as the color drains out it's really kind of cruel and francine mm-hmm. francine even says that sounds kind of mean to which gw is like well they were mean first and then francine comes up with an idea for how how to make dw feel better and the end of the episode is the next morning uh where dw gets a piece of mail which is apparently very rare um it's a card with like a bunch of confetti in it and uh her mom reads it to her of DW is invited to Francine's birthday party, to which Arthur is uh, horrified. Like, he, he <laughs> is just just downright offended. And the episode ends with Mom saying, like, what a, what a nice friend Francine is. And Arthur just like, oh. <laughs> so there you go. Okay, let's, uh, as, we, as we do, Corbon, let's rewind the episode back a little bit and talk about these stories, what we thought of them. Uh, Arthur versus the very mean crossing guard. What did you think of this one? I thought it was sort of, uh, for younger kids, a nice introduction to, I guess, sarcasm, kind of teaching them like, hey, yeah, there's going to be adults who, who joke around with you and stuff like that, and it's not real, or they're, they're just joking around with you. And um, as from personal experience, I wish I had this had seen this episode when I went to go work at my first job, because a lot of people there were very sarcastic and being nervous, uh, it would have definitely helped out. Okay, I'm um I'm not sure that I totally agree just because when I was a kid I didn't get that he was joking the first time at least. Uh yeah. I I I, underst- I understand what you mean, but I feel like it may get lost at least to some kids. I mean, maybe I was just a dumb kid. Uh I 
I thought this was okay, I guess. I, I, I'm maybe on the lower end of okay. Uh, the, the stuff at the end where it's uh, that little, maybe that little point, and maybe this is really a little point of DW, like not believing what Arthur and Brain believe kind of didn't make sense to me. And there was a couple of, um, I, I think more the way that Arthur and Brain kind of twisted the situation in their minds really mm-hmm. kind of, I thought was the most entertaining part of like, again, the return of the stick figures. Uh, Arthur's dream about the goons was probably my favorite part just because yeah. it kind of didn't make sense in a really funny way. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I mean, it's just kind of, it, it felt a bit like, uh, okay, so we didn't really learn anything about the characters. In fact, we introduced this new character that I strongly doubt we'll ever see again. Uh, yeah, I don't think we see him ever again. Yeah, probably not. Uh, so you know, it's kind of I don't want to I don't want to say throwaway. That sounds a little mean, but it's um, you know, it's just kind of it's just kind of a uh, it's just kind of there is is what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm in the middle on it, maybe a little bit lower in the middle. Uh, DW's very bad mood. I think is one that if I'm going on a limb here, I think is very well remembered by Arthur fans. I think if not, you know, for good reasons. I think it's just a memorable episode and that it's the one where DW like goes off, which DW in herself is very much like an icon of the show. I'd say almost equal to Arthur. So if you're a fan of DW, you might really like this episode. I did like, um, kind of the performance aspect of it. I thought Michael Kalos, uh, DW's voice actor did really well in, you know, kind of going on an emotional dime as she did Mm -hmm. here. As I as I said a few times, sorry for the overuse of that phrase, uh, and uh, so I thought that that was kind of interesting. And you know, uh, my my fiance is very good with kids, and she's told me before, you know, she's worked with kids and she's had kids in her in her house. She's had several foster siblings of, who will just like who will be this way, you know, you know, throw tantrums or what have you to get attention and to push boundaries. So it totally makes sense for DW to be doing this at some point. It did. Mm -hmm. It did bother me that like, she never got kind of maybe not a comeuppance. Cause like the whole thing is that like, okay, so she's expressing her, her hurt feelings by being mean. But I, I, I mean, I guess it did, it did bother me a little that like, okay, so in the end, you know, she, she, her feelings aren't hurt anymore. Everything's solved, but that she never got like disciplined for being mean. And yeah, this is a, this is a, this is a part where I just really think like Arthur's parents are a little bit too lax and it bothered me a little bit. So that kind of kept the episode down. But I think this is a, if, if, if with the crossing guard episode, I was on the lower end of in the middle, this is on the higher end of in the middle. It's not, a spectacular episode, but I think that there are elements of it that work really well. And of course it's all tied to DW who um, I think is the, is the star and rightfully so. Mm -hmm. So, and I absolutely understand why this is a memorable episode. So this would be one where I can imagine this having the most um, revisiting value for people who aren't, you know, (laughs) watching episode by episode like we are. Yeah. Uh, I thought sort of, I mean, I didn't write much about it, but my only conclusion was it was sort of, I guess, a helpful thing to teach kids that sometimes you're not always like going to be invited to everything mm-hmm. and you can't overreact or get angry about it. You just have to keep going on. 
Okay. And uh, yeah, so there you, there you go. A little bit, uh, two that are kind of in the middle, and uh, but one on either end. So uh, what did you think of this episode? Uh, you know what Corban and I had, had to say, but what do you have to say about this episode or any episode in particular? Uh, well, you can let us know. Uh, our, before we get into the social links, actually, Corban, uh, if you could uh, give us your plugs, where can we find more of Corban Garcia? Well, I, I do stuff all over the internet, but I've sort of dialed a lot of things back. So nowadays, I'm only focusing on my podcast, Rocket to Anywhere. That's at the rta.space. It's a cool custom domain thing. And you can find my music and all sorts of other things, YouTube I've done. They're all at corbangarcia.com. That's C-O-R-B-A-N-G-A-R-C-I-A dot com. I must commend you. Like you are very on brand with everything. You are Corbon Garcia on a lot of places here on the internet. And I, I mean, as someone who has you know had a bit of a scattershot footprint, it's like it's very easy to find a lot of your stuff. You're also on uh, Twitter, which is where I found a lot of those links that you mentioned. Yeah, it's it's. Uh, I'm thankful for having a very unique name, so it's easy to get my my name is my handle. What what's what's oh yeah, so it would be at Corbon Garcia. Yeah. Very good. Okay, and as for the show itself, you can find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Elwood City Limits. On Twitter, we are at ECL Podcast. Corbon Garcia was one of our very first followers when I started up Twitter, and I even wondered if it was a good idea. Uh, Tumblr, elwoodcitylimits.tumblr.com. You can email us just like Joshua and Isaac did this week, elwoodcitylimits at gmail.com. Finally, the ways to listen to the podcast. Uh, I will say this for the benefit of anybody who has been listening on SoundCloud. I've gotten a few uh, uh, or a couple of inquiries over there of where did the podcast go and are you guys still updating? Uh, We definitely are. So hopefully you found your way from SoundCloud. Uh, We are not updating over there anymore. Uh, We are now on Libsyn, elwoodcitylimits.libsyn.com. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N. You can find us on Apple Music. I know that the new update has kind of updated the podcast app a little bit, so hopefully that hasn't changed your listening experience too much. If you could leave us a rating and review over there, I'd really appreciate it. I actually have to go and look and see those ratings and reviews, see if anybody left any new ones so I can thank you personally. And we are also on the Google Play Music Store. If there's anywhere else you would like us to be, just get at us at the ways that I mentioned. Well, Corbin, I have a quick announcement. Uh, yes, sir. The Monday after this episode comes out, if this comes out this Saturday, um, is October 23rd, and the new Arthur Halloween movie comes out. That'll be premiering oh, on Monday. Oh, very good. See, you're real again. You are very on the ball. You're very attentive, uh, much more than I am. I'm just gonna look this up. You're right. I did see an announcement about this from the official uh, Arthur Twitter page at Arthur PBS. It is uh, the all-new Arthur movie, Arthur and the Haunted Treehouse. Yeah. So uh, it was – they switched production companies. I mean, that's some of the background stuff. They have a new animating um, people. So I noticed some of it looks a little different, but it's still pretty good from what I've seen. All right. I haven't dug into see, uh, to season 20 or anything around there at all yet, so I've kinda, I kind of want to leave myself surprised for if we ever get to it. Uh, yeah, so a new Arthur special is coming up on Monday the 23rd. Check it out just in time 
for Halloween. Hope you're having a spooky good season. Corban, <laughs> I want to say a special thanks to you for uh, for being our, being my guest this week and for uh, sticking through all of the little hiccups uh, along the way. It's been great to have you, and it's been great to finally be able to introduce everybody to one of the people who's been here since the very beginning. Yeah, thanks for having me on. And next week, no, uh, no matter who will, whom will be on with me, we're going to be talking about DW's name game and Finders Keepers. So if you want to keep up with us, you can always do that through a little bit of the old Google search, a bit of the bit of the Google foo. All right, so for Elwood City Limits, my name is Will Young. Corbon, do you have anything to leave us with before we get out of here? Go back home. Nope, that's not really good to say in it. No, I need to think of a better thing. <laughs> I'll try to remember what, what Francine said. I mean, what DW told Francine. Oh, okay. Why don't you go back to your own home and stop bothering us? Yeah, yeah. I was thinking, I was like thinking for a second. I'm like, go back home. That's deep, man. <laughs> so go so go back home or go wherever you're going and take us along with you, Elwood City Limits. For Corbon Garcia, we'll see you next time. Bye-bye.